Welcome to Self-Care Hacks, the short podcast for overwhelmed and stressed out women who want to learn how to take better care of themselves. I'm your host, Anita Ojeda. I used to suffer from overwhelm and stress too, but I've learned how to take care of myself and take care of others. You can too. November is National Family Caregivers Month. And it's a time of year we take a look at family caregivers and think of ways that we can honor them and help them in their difficult job of caring for a family member. Family caregivers are anyone who takes care of a family member who is ill, short-term or long-term, or perhaps an elderly parent or a disabled child or other family member. We often think they have their act together because that's what they present to the world. It's just their normal. But deep inside, family caregivers can be suffering. And so I offer these tips not only to family caregivers, but to the friends and family who love someone who's a family caregiver. I'll leave a link to the Family Caregiver Action Network so that you can get more information and find resources for family caregivers. I originally wrote this post back when I was blogging on blessedbitstress.com, and I realized that things have changed quite a bit since then, mostly because of COVID. Back when Pedro had cancer almost 20 years ago, I was able to spend hours and hours and hours next to his side. I would spend the night in his hospital room, or I would spend most of every day in the hospital room. And because of COVID and the pandemic, most people weren't able to do that, which added a whole new layer of pain to family caregivers suffering. Maybe one day things will return to what they were before COVID. Because honestly, There's nothing like having a family member in the hospital room with someone who is seriously ill. I remember reading a study once about how much better patients did when a family member stayed with them, not just for the physical comfort and the mental support of having a family member nearby during a time of crisis, but because family members write things down, they keep track of things, and sometimes they can find errors. So that's where this story starts. Excuse me. I interrupted the nurse as she stood at the desk working on charts. I don't think Pedro received his pain meds. Let me check, she replied with a busy frown. Yes, it says right here on his chart that he had his meds an hour ago. If you check your supply, I'm sure you'll see that he didn't receive them, I insisted. I couldn't believe my bravery. Normally, I avoid conflicts at all cost. The last nurse came in and said she would bring the meds, and then something came up. After that, the shifts changed. With a dubious, harried look, the nurse took off down the hallway toward the pharmacy dispensing room. I trailed behind. Two minutes later, the chagrined nurse came out of the room with a paper cup full of meds in her hand. You're right, she said, and headed to Pedro's room. This was why I spent every spare minute in the hospital, to prevent human error from harming my husband. I might not be able to cure his cancer, but I could make sure he didn't suffer because overworked and underpaid nurses forgot to dispense his meds. When a family member gets launched into a health crisis, primary caregivers get launched into a tandem trajectory of life changes. Our bodies enter the fright, flight, or freeze state, usually choosing to fight for our loved ones. Within hours, we go through a mental list of everything we will give up or reschedule in order to remain by our loved one's side until the crisis passes. All too often, we slip into a state of mind where we believe our presence and participation are indispensable. Within hours, days, or weeks, depending on the severity of the circumstances, a firm conviction grows in our minds that if we step outside the hospital room, something worse will happen. 
Our fear keeps us tethered to the bedside of our loved one. Family members might encourage us to step away and take a break, but we know that if we do, something bad will happen. I fell into that trap during Pedro's cancer year. It didn't help that partway through the year, his early remission turned into a catastrophic relapse. It also didn't help that he needed specialized treatment a thousand miles away. To make things worse, other family members lived closer to Pedro's new hospital, and they, too, felt that their presence provided the only barrier between Pedro's recovery and certain death. We came to an uneasy compromise. Neither of us fully trusted the other to do the right thing about caregivers in Pedro's hospital room. For his entire hospital stay during the worst of his illness, a family member spent the night and often all of the day with him. Of course, my single-minded, hyper-focused dedication ended up harming me. In order to achieve balance and not endanger my own health, I finally made some changes. So here are six hacks for family caregivers who are dealing with a family member in a hospital situation. Hack number one, learn the schedule. Know the daily routine, when the nurses dispense meds and when the doctor makes rounds. Use an app on your phone or a good old-fashioned notebook that gets passed from caregiver to caregiver. This helps caregivers remember important information that the doctor might give when they're doing their daily rounds. You can jot down what the doctor said and any notes on improvements or unimprovements and pass them on to the next caregiver on duty. Hack number two, keep track of meds and adverse drug interactions. Pedro figured out that Zofrin, a drug to prevent nausea, actually made him vomit. More than once, family caregivers had to point out to medical staff that he had a reaction and shouldn't be given the medicine. Hack number three, take breaks. Every morning I would walk down the street to the local Starbucks. I always went before the shift change and well before rounds or meds. The brisk walk and change of scenery did me a world of good. Hack number four, take the stairs. Walking up 11 flights of stairs several times a day might not seem like self-care, but believe me, the endorphins helped counteract the stress-induced cortisol. Sneak in as much vigorous exercise as possible. Hack number five, learn to share the burden. I came to really appreciate the family members who spent time with Pedro so that I could keep my job. Their love and participation in the duties made my life easier. And hack number six, breathe deeply. I know it sounds self-explanatory, but throughout Pedro's crisis, I resorted to shallow breathing, which harmed my health. Take timeouts throughout the day to breathe deeply and think of things that bring you peace. I know these all seem like baby steps. When a loved one experiences a catastrophe, baby steps might be all a family caregiver can take. Remember, survival mode takes precedence, and that actually helps you through the initial crisis. But these six hacks will help you maintain balance and a sense of control when the world seems horribly out of control. So don't forget the six self-care hacks for family caregivers in a hospital situation. Hack number one, learn the schedule. Hack number two, keep track of meds and adverse drug interactions. Hack number three, take regular breaks. Hack number four, take the stairs or do anything that gives you vigorous exercise occasionally throughout the day. Hack number five, learn to share the burden. And hack number six, remember to breathe deeply. Come back next week when I share with you a caregiver's look at Psalms 91. Take care of yourselves, my friends. You are worth it. You can find me at selfcarehacks.net or check out the show notes. 
for links to my social media accounts. If you enjoyed this podcast, take the time to tell a friend. Together we can build each other up and teach each other how to take better care of ourselves. I'll see you here next Tuesday with more self-care hacks to help you overcome the overwhelm.